0: welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma
1: City real estate market. Landon is a genuine self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's top rated by sites like Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, and
2: Homes.com. He's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor,
1: property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals, whether you live right here in the city or across the country. Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your
0: host, Landon Witt, with this week's Daily Market Update. Welcome to episode 14 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, Jason and Cherami Thomas of Urban Farmhouse Designs. We interview them today. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful showroom that they've created. In fact, it's actually the arguably... The number one custom furniture store in the nation right now. What what an amazing campus. We got a good tour of that. Um, For those that are interested, there's a video podcast now that we just released. Um, It's a 30-minute, awesome, fun-filled episode where we go through the entire campus over there or most of the campus, see some of those beautiful furniture pieces and decor coming from that urban farmhouse. If you're into urban farmhouse or you think you might be into urban farmhouse, you might want To check that out, you can find it live on our streaming on okcrealestateshow.com. Again, that's okcrealestateshow.com. My name is Landon Witt, brokered by Metro First Realty, license number 174290. Market information coming from Oakmar, which is our local area MLS. On today's market report, this week, this week, this week, this week. 151 homes sold in the 10-square-mile area of Oklahoma City. Okay, folks, we do that for a reason. Oklahoma City is a massive city, so we've got to stop those metrics at some point or else we get such a large span of numbers that they don't really make sense at the end. So for this one, we do 151 or 10 10-square-miles, 10 which puts us at 151 listings closed. Last week, it was 129. As we start to move towards the end of the month, you are going to see an increase in closings. So I will tell you this. Last week, though, what was it, Friday, Thursday the 13th? Whatever day it was, Chicago title was just crazy busy. I mean, it it felt like the 30th. I mean, like had literally a line. We were waiting in line to close on on a home. Uh, Wild stuff. Okay, back to the market. 20 days on market is your median 20 20 days on market, median, average days on market, 38, 38 average. Your median sales price, $88.25. That puts the average sales price at $148. 148000 It's important to note that the list price for this last week on, on the median price was $90.38 per square foot with a selling price of $88.25. So that's still staying consistent that when you list the home, be prepared to negotiate. Um, and, and in some cases um, down, let's see, what have we got? Uh, $3 a square foot um, on, on the median there um, in that range. I think that comes out to be, um, what are we at? Two, 3%. So nothing nothing too crazy there. I'm not seeing too much. Um, okay. Uh, moving to REOs, there were seven REOs, real estate owned by the bank. Again, those first metrics, those average numbers that we just talked about, do not cover foreclosed properties and short sales. We do that in a separate category. This is that category. REOs. The last week in Oklahoma City, last seven days, we had seven of them close. The average time on market exposure was 34 days. Okay, your your median. Price per square foot, $50.21, $50.21. Guess what? List price, $50.21. So again, this is a repeat of what we saw last week. If you're bidding on REOs right now in today's market, most of them are going for the price that the bank has set or the bank's representative or the agent that the bank has hired to list those so again if you're trying to get a deal on an reo and there's not some significant condition affecting it be prepared to pay list or higher price for those um there can be some negotiation. We've seen, uh, I mean, on the average rate, right, um, you've got $53.77 was the list price with the sales price was $51. So you do see some fluctuation there on a couple of them. But the majority. Uh, assuming, you know, there was one, I think one or two, which again, those have those conditions. For example, they've been burned out by a fire or something that's just psychologically impacting that property beyond what the bank could predict. So anyways, um, as far as the news, we don't have too many permits that got pulled this last week. So we're going to save you from that. However, I did want to talk a little bit about HGTV. HGTV's coming or has come already to Oklahoma City. I know they've sent out several emails over the last year. And I've in fact received one, and and this uh, was something along the lines of you know Landon, we are looking for uh, such and such property. We have uh, a synopsis of the show, and, and do you know any um, sellers that have this type of property or, or this scenario where this investor is doing this? And sometimes I'll answer, hey, yeah, we've got uh, two of these, da 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 da, and never really get an answer back. Well, tie and Page did get an answer back on their email. Uh, they actually don't even know each other. Um, they were separately interviewed and then brought together for a show. Um, and this show just went live August 19th at 2 p.m. on HGTV. Um, they did a renovation together in Mista Park, and they covered it on the show. Um, the episode was called Mista Park Revival, um, Pretty cool to see HGTV running around the streets of Oklahoma City. I've been saying this, market's pretty cool, and they obviously think it's pretty cool too because I think HGTV is a pretty cool network, really popular, and to have them here is great. Speaking of that, Mr. HGTV, you need to come on our bus tour. We talked last week about the bus tour and how OREC was pulling the plug on it. We went through the appeals process, And lo and behold, we can have a bus tour. We just can't call it a limo. That's the word. You heard it, folks. No limo tours. That would be considered buyer inducement. But a bus tour? Oh, a bus tour is just fine. So here we are with our luxurious bus tour coming up September 25th. Come on. There's totally free admission awesome event for those that are looking to purchase soon maybe this year even if you're waiting till next year come on the tour september 25th you can register on okcrealestateshow.com we've got about 26 seats uh still available so head on head on to that site uh register for that you just have to put in a little bit of information click submit you'll get a vip badge which will give you access to the bus as well as all the homes along the tour it's a real good opportunity to meet with other buyers, which is really important to kind of hear their feedback from what they've been seeing and doing and, and and all the you know ups and downs that they've been experiencing, and also just get some tips and tricks from what other buyers may be experiencing with their mortgage company or, or whoever, their appraisal, anything. So great experience. Okay. With further ado, I want to jump right into our guest. We've got Jeremy and Jason from Urban Farmhouse. We were able to go and record in their beautiful, beautiful, beautiful campus. They have, I think, what is five buildings now. They were, they started off after the two thousand eight recession. They had lost everything. This couple came together, took a risk on and four thousand dollars worth of lumber, and now they have the arguably the most, um, the largest custom furniture company in the nation. Eighty employees now two different cities, Oklahoma City, and then they have a campus or a store in Dallas. So without, without further ado, I want to introduce Urban Farmhouse to the show today. What a privilege.
1: We can go to the show, we can stay out right here, and I can take you for a ride on my big green tractor. We can go slow, or make it go faster, down through the woods and out to the pasture, long as I'm with you. It really in my lap and drive if you want to. Girl, you know you got me to hold on to. We can go to town, but baby, if you'd rather, I'll take you for a
0: ride on my bakery. All right. Well, a very exciting guest on the show today. Uh, we have Shermie and Jason, owners and founders of the Urban Farmhouse. What an amazing... We just took the tour, and <laughs> breathtaking, really. Thank I you. mean, it is, an, it is a, an empire in the making. So uh, I want to talk with you guys a little bit. Uh, before we get too far into this, there may be a few people out there that don't know what farmhouse design even is. So what is farmhouse design, and, and how did this come about? And, and it just seems to be a crazy popular thing. So can you talk a little bit about that? sure let me let the designer take the stage on that because she is the design inspiration behind this business so
2: farmhouse design i'm going to say it, it really has a lot to do with um i feel like mixing kind of the old and the new together with um the rustic and the modern as far as The way I see it. I uh, use a lot of the reclaimed wood and will take some industrial metal and just kind of mesh it all together. And to me, that is farmhouse design. And that's how really the name urban farmhouse design came about.
0: So it's combining the urban um, kind of industrial time period. Really in the United States was what? The 1920s or so was that industrial period? And then where rural America, so the rural America and then downtown is now colliding with Together. each other right. and this and this design. Yeah. I think that's beautiful and it's a beautiful testament to America's history Absolutely. so and then for all this stuff to be made in America. Um, so why do you think reclaimed uh, furniture is so popular right now? I mean what's what is it the appeal of, of recycling or what's what's really driving this?
2: I I do think it is the uh, appeal of recycling and reusing and the fact that people feel like they're doing something good for our environment. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's just, it's been just something that's been on people's mind now for quite a while. And now people are actually taking action towards doing something about it. And the fact that people are taking down old barns, old warehouses, and big piles of all this amazing wood have just been setting around for, honestly, sometimes decades, if you will. Um, people have gone in and, you know, like Jason and myself, figured out ways to actually recycle, repurpose, and reuse it and refine it into something amazing and beautiful.
1: Right, Mm. Modern industrial is definitely something that we love, but reclaimed wood brings a warmth and charm that just Mm. grounds everything. And so those are our paintbrushes, steel and reclaimed wood. That's what we use to paint the canvas that is our furniture brand.
0: Mm, I love the way you put that, painting the canvas. It really does feel like a canvas as you walk around here. Um, You you definitely take a modern home, which may be a cookie-cutter type home, if you then begin to incorporate farmhouse furniture in that cookie cutter home, you now have a unique home and something amazing that furniture can do. Um, For some that's just starting to transition into farmhouse, maybe they've got uh, what they would call a suburban cookie cutter home and they want to kind of transition that now into a farmhouse home. What do you recommend? Where do do they start? I mean, how do they get into this? Is is there a particular room in the house they can start with? Um, Where should they begin?
2: I always like to have them start with just the main entry, kitchen, you know, office, living room. Because usually um, they're doing a lot of open floor plans nowadays. And so it's going to be really hard just to take one room. You know, mm. you've you've got this open floor plan that has a lot of arches and things like that. So just trying to designate one room will be probably pretty difficult. Um, when we were going through the tour and talking about this a little bit, I was saying just going in and painting a really light neutral color. You don't have to do white. Sometimes that does scare people. If you've got little kids, it could be a little daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I said before I use Snowbound and Alabaster a lot. Really, really pretty light. I mean, they're not stark whites, mm-hmm. but they look really pretty for that farmhouse. And do you
0: use a, a like a shiny? Is it got a, a gloss to it, or you, or do you do more of the satin finishes? It, it,
2: I usually do a satin finish. Mm-hmm. I like satin just because you can wipe it down. Mm-hmm. I never use flat mm-hmm. on walls, especially if it, it doesn't even matter if you have kids or not. Honestly. Right, if right. You've spaghetti got pets, dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to be able to to wipe it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want it shiny, of mm-hmm. course, but satin is my preference. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I say start with a nice light palette. And again, you know, if you want to do something fun and do a weekend project by going and doing kind of that shiplap look and just take one wall and do what I call an accent wall. You know, you go into Mm -hmm. your dining room, take that one main wall wall in your dining room and do it shiplap looking wall and paint it white. You know, something as simple as that can just completely change the look when you walk in. So now you've got that light white color palette, you've got an accent wall, um, you know, as you're transitioning, go and throw a barn door in, you know, paint it black or paint it just a fun different color that suits you and, and your color tone or your palette and kind of go from there. You know, those are the simplest things to do at a farm table. And when
1: you're, you mentioned the entry, Uh, that's a great place to start, I feel for sure, because you can go in with like some gray tones of wood and put that on the wall. And until you put that last piece, I'll warn everybody, until you put that last piece in there, it doesn't make sense. But once you put the capstone on there and the whole wall is a full kind of gray tone, it just pops and does something that is unmistakable, and it gives you the courage to continue with that flow and theme throughout the home.
0: Mm. It's, it is really important, the courage that you bring that up, because when somebody's running and invading a home, you can really get into some corners yeah. there where it's it can be depressing at some points, and it can be tough on a relationship too, especially when husband and wife are trying to decide... One particular theme, you know, they both have to live there. So um, I think we always go with happy wife, happy life, but that's exactly um, right. There's it's incredibly
1: <laughs> forgiving like most wives um, so you know you get in there and it doesn't look right I mean you're only putting it in there with some finished nails or staples mm. or something like that to put it in so if you need to pull it back off and repaint the
0: wall and don't love what you did, it's an easy fix Do that. that's you know? an important yeah okay so a lot of the furniture that we've got in this in the showroom how about how long does this take to put together I mean is this a you know what's the process look like? Gosh,
1: I mean for anything custom we're 90 to 120 days, usually in fabrication time, you're building And that's for a
0: customer's ordered. So if somebody right, came in ordered. today and said mm-hmm. I, I need this piece made that will fit this room in my house right we're looking at 90 to 120 days. Reclaimed
1: wood is perfectly imperfect. And so our job as manufacturers is to work through those imperfections. And so if you rush the process, you get a subpar product. And so mm-hmm. we take our time and craftsmanship to take wood that may be set at the front of the train and one set in the middle, and there's more wear in the middle. So how that comes together in the field of your table or you know uh, your entry piece or something like that, those two pieces have to come together and have some sense of composition to them. And there's an art to that. It can't be rushed
0: mm. yeah.
2: but you can put together an, an actual table within you know 10 days it's just you know like we had talked about before we've got so many people in front that we can't you know you can't knock everyone else off, out of line sure of course Sure. well you there is a wait 300 list. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean technically that's that's really what it is you know mm. so there's a reason for
1: yeah, We go to Great lengths to make sure that we have lots of stock product, though. So.
2: Absolutely. We do have spec product on the floor. We've got a large showroom, so you can take it out that day. Hmm. So if you want to customize it, that's different.
0: Yeah. And we're really talking about those that maybe they need a very specific size for a room. Um, Because again, like you said, there's so much stuff on the showroom floor. Guys, you can spend the whole day in their showroom just looking at different sizes and pieces and getting ideas. So unless you really need a particular size, um, you're going to find a lot of stuff already here. Um, Okay. For our sensitive crowd, I know um, several folks have written in asking this question time and time again for V. VOC Paints and, and, and carpets and this kind of thing. For those interested in getting more of a um, uh, an allergy free product per se, um, what would you recommend for them?
1: Okay, so we use basically what the Amish furniture makers use on their products. And so they're ill tolerant of anything that's generally not water based. Mm. Um, and so low, low VOC, uh, et cetera. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I would say probably 70, 80% of our products are zero VOCs.
0: Wow, and that's and that's really important, folks. Um, I know. I mean, I, I can I can tell you at least uh, two dozen folks um, as we tour homes and stuff that that's a big concern, especially for infants and things, where they really have gone to just buying used furniture and stuff. So to be able to have a product that they can then put in their nursery or that they can put directly in, it's really exactly. neat.
1: Exactly. And we've had our boxcar flooring, for example, tested at uh, labs uh, extensively to make sure that there's no you know thing traces of anything left behind that's a car. Or things like that, because those will gas as well. It's not just the finish,
0: it can also be the wood itself. Right, because this wood was used in trains, right? I mean, shipping stuff all over the nation. So, yeah, it could have anything and everything. Um, also, so if somebody wants, let's say we go back to the scenario where they say, where do I start in the home? And maybe they just really don't have any ideas, but they have seen other homes or their friend's home and they just love the idea, but don't know where to start. Is there an in-home visit or anything that they can get to kind of get them on the right track?
2: Yes, we have an in-home designer and she will actually go out to their home and she will do it. it usually consists of a couple hours and she'll do measurements and then what will happen is she'll put a presentation together for them they'll come back into the store she'll do a presentation and kind of go from there and help them if they we've got pieces on the floor she'll show them those pieces if they want to customize of course they can do that they can special order other pieces Hmm. on top of that and yeah we definitely do that
1: From the craftsmanship side, we have a standard, which is measure twice, cut once. And what the in-home design allows you to do is that same principle, where you don't go in and get the wrong scale of table or color of fabric in your home, and then all of a sudden you're having to start back over. Mm -hmm. So we practice that principle in the shop
0: as much as we do doing the in-home designs. I think we've run into several renovation couples that have hired contractors and this stuff. Um, and they often think that the contractor is going to tell them, oh, it doesn't look good, you know, or it doesn't whatever. And that's actually a lie. Um, <laughs> contractor's job is to do what you tell them to do, right, right. and to do it well. Um they're not the specialist on does that tile match or does you that countertop. You still need to
2: hire a designer to do that for you.
0: Precisely. And, and I think that if you guys try to go it on your own, um, there are so many subtleties, as we've talked about, between different products and, and really how they actually work when they're put in a home. Sometimes you get to a tile store and you look and in and fluorescent lighting or whatever, it looks that one way, but then you really get it in a real home with real natural lighting and oh my gosh, it's a disaster. And now you've already paid the contractors, you've already done all the work, and now you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars extra to rip all that old stuff out and get the new stuff in. So I think starting from the beginning with a professional, you're going to have a better product in the end and a happier. And not to mention the stress on your relationship. My gosh. exactly. These renovations are not short processes. Well, and
1: you can let the energy of the project be positive the whole time if there's some great, careful planning up front. But to just go in and wing it, hoping that we're going to sh- shave a couple dollars off our budget and the renovation or whatever we're doing. We've learned, you know, it's the shortest point from A to B. That's where you save your money and don't have the cost overruns. And so careful
0: design on the front end makes all the difference in the world. So good. Um, so I know this is a fantastic campus now. I think you have something like 80 people that work on just this campus, employees. Right. I know it wasn't always this great. So- can can you talk a little bit about the journey to get here? Um, I know several folks that are starting their own businesses here in Oklahoma City during this new transition. I mean, the last two years has been uh, an amazing renaissance of Oklahoma City. I mean, just I mean, if you look at five years, yes, but just even the last two years yeah. with the plaza and all that, so many businesses, uh, restaurants. Um, but it's hard work is the first thing you'll realize when you start your own business. Um, I, I talk a little bit about some of the real journey here and and how you've been able to persevere through the opposition. I'll let my wife start with that one
1: right there. There is nothing easy about being an entrepreneur at all. You've got to have, uh, if your sense is security and that's what fulfills you, entrepreneurship might not be for you at the end of the day. Um, or you have the type of relationship that can supersede, and there's a strength and balance, much like she and I have, that you're you just you depend on each other's strengths in order to make right decisions for your people, yourselves, uh, the you know overall trajectory of your business is at the end of the day resting on your shoulders, and it all comes down to communication and making smart decisions.
0: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit about Sorry. that chemistry there. Yeah. I mean.
2: A little harder for me, honestly. Whenever we started, Jason is just more of an entrepreneur than I am. Really, as in
0: taking more risks. Is that
2: he takes way more
0: risks than I do? (laughs) (laughs)
2: And um, you know, when when we first started, we we basically caught a pile of wood. Literally, I was working full time, and I was working for a builder. I had two closings on some homes, and I had a little pile of money that was basically hauled up. And we were going to buy him this old car, because we had one car at the time. And instead of buying him a car, we bought a pile of wood, is what happened. It and took
1: he, some convincing, but, you know, it was you know, it was $4,000, and I just said, yeah. I know that this is something that I can do. And, so he um,
2: chose to ride the bus. In Oklahoma City, if you can only imagine, we have terrible
0: transportation. Sure, your, right. sure.
2: <laughs> so we bought the pile of wood, and there kind of goes the story. And doing that out of a one-car garage, but I still kept, you know, my job because that's how mm-hmm. we. I mean, we have four kids, and that's kind of how we support ourselves and trying to do this on the side. So it was, it was very hard and. Um, When he's talking about the stability and everything that goes into it, I am, you know, working five days a week at my current job. Then the other two days that I'm off, I'm helping doing this and then coming home at night doing it. And so I'm literally working seven days a week around the the clock. Um, And that was really hard for me just to leave my job and take that leap of faith and say, okay, I have no income. Mm -hmm. And here I go. We're just going to do this together by ourselves. You know, like mm-hmm. we're just going to figure it out. And so that was that was painstakingly hard for me, mm. honestly.
1: Um, 100%. Yeah, you just have to come that. to a place of peace with, you know, frustration is the sweat of transformation in a business, you know? And so as you're, you know, everybody wants to build the muscle, but they don't want to have the soreness that goes between. True. Sure. And so, yeah. you know, um, sometimes I'm kind of the spotter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, we can do this, honey. But, you know, I just know her level of talent, so I would never have put myself in such a situation if I didn't know that I couldn't rely on her strength eventually, but I had to earn the privilege of bringing her on board with me full-time. So it was, she helped keep, you know, the day-to-day bills paid while I'm in the background doing what I'm doing. And so you've just got to have that trust and love factor that exists in a marriage uh, or certainly a a business partnership that says, okay, we believe in each other. So we're going to, we're willing to
0: step out on faith and take these risks. Okay. So there's a moment when you probably realize that if we stay on the course that we're on, we know where that's going to lead we want to do something better with our lives. And that's kind of the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Is like, I know that where I'm going is I don't want to go. I want something better. When was it where you really felt like this thing is taking off? It's going to work. What was that magical moment where you you really got that momentum and you said, wow, this is actually going to work. Do you? Do we have that magical moment? <laughs> are, you, are we still well, waiting for that? Because it looks like it's working to me. Maybe we're still waiting for
1: it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think the the power of a business that grows and develops is your your sense of being grounded with your business and not necessarily looking for those magical moments. You're mm. you're managing the fundamental day to days, mm. and you're not looking every at every moment for that miracle or that breakthrough moment. Mm. That breakthrough happens in day to day diligence every day. You know, and so if you're out chasing that aha moment, Hmm. you end up disappointed. Whereas if you have those small successes, those are what keep you, you learn to have an appetite for those, not the, Hey, I hit it over the fence moment.
2: Hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. We're so driven that we wake up every day going, okay, well we got to do more. We got to do more, you know? And I think that that's what makes it hard because we want to keep on and keep on and keep on, you know? And, And then there's those people that say, well, haven't you done enough? Haven't you done enough? Aren't you done? You know, like,
1: And it's not always about accomplishment, though. I mean, sometimes there's just an energy that I feel is God-given that you just have that it has to express itself somehow, Mm -hmm. some way. And for some people, it's artistically, and some people it's in business, and some people it's in athletics. I mean, there's just a sense and energy that you have that you try to even quiet it sometimes, and it won't go to sleep. And you wake up with it all over again, and you just keep pushing forward. But you have to have that strength and courage and purposefulness about you that you're willing to Attain it. It's a very disciplined lifestyle to be an
0: entrepreneur, that's for sure. Hmm. Now, you didn't get there alone, you know, and I think that's an important part of this story is that you guys found the right team to make this possible. And this is a very special team that you have here. Um, something very unique is happening. I mean, you can just feel it as you walk onto the campus here that the energy and the buzz and the smiles on the faces of those that are, that are working here. Can you talk to me, take me quickly through that story of, of when did you hire your first employee and now how did you get here and what do you go about when you're looking for employees? How does that come together? Sure I'll let you answer that one.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, first employees, that would be from the halfway house.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And we took people that were needing a job because I mean, let's face it. You know, you come interview with this guy that just started a startup and wife that started something in their garage. It's like, well, do you offer insurance? No. Do you? I mean, they can go down the list of like yeah, no thanks. Yeah. Um, no. And so uh, we went vacation the round time. No. Of no taking vacation people time. To, yeah. yeah. Exactly.
2: How much can you pay? Yeah. Uh, minimum wage. Yeah. If
1: that <laughs> well, well there's a lot of heart and soul in what we do but you know in our prior business we failed and there's so much that you learn from failure and what you also learn from that is is that you're in a situation where you needed help up and so if you're now in a position where you can help up in some even small way it doesn't have to be a big way it can be a small way um, you can help other people achieve their dreams and goals by helping you with your ambitions
0: so where you started there yep we started here is that one rolling yep all right I'm okay here. All right, and we're back. Okay, back to the employees.
1: Sure. So, you know, not everybody wants to start with a garage startup. They come in and, you know, go through the interview process and it's like, what benefits do you offer? Do you have insurance and everything else? It's like, no, I think your check will maybe clear next week is really the options we had. And we realized very clearly and quickly that most people didn't want to just jump in and Mm -hmm. do this thing with us. And, you know, we went through some very difficult struggles, um, certainly failure in our business. And so as we were starting over, we realized man, it was amazing for those few people that like helped us up and wanted to actually contribute to our lives. And so through the halfway house, just through some serendipity of life, uh, we realized that there was a pool of people that are willing to do whatever to get out of their circumstance and where it really clicked and started making sense is you know the slogan we even have now is reclaimed furniture made by reclaimed people mm-hmm. and what started happening is is those people that we gave a hand up to started living their story through the products we make wow and so it's like you could just feel the energy from it because the passion and desire to like rebegin
0: mm-hmm.
1: and repurpose happened through the very things we built and did So that's how the hiring process started through that is no one wanted to sign up for our payroll (laughs) and we found some great guys that
0: stepped in and were willing to put their all into what we do. Hmm. So how long was that process between the first employee to now? Five and a half years.
2: Since we've been in the garage. Yeah, probably about five and a half years. We've been here a little over four.
0: Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Actually, a
2: retail space. Sure. Um, Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Even when we moved here,
2: it was just a really old, run-down warehouse. Mm. Um, There were... Nobody was... I mean, there wasn't anyone down here. No one bothered to even come down in this area I was going to say, yeah, this was... It was, was, a, it was yeah, bad. Yeah, people was sleeping very scary. in the streets, uh, sure. Yeah, I even told Jason, I was like, we got to get you like a guard dog or mm-hmm. something, you know, to get... Yeah, a there was a I lot didn't of... want him to come down here at all, even to be... Um, we had wood and we just had guys manufacturing tables. Mm-hmm. So there was absolutely... No No showroom. No retail, no showroom, nothing. And there
0: wasn't going to be, yeah. No, I mean,
2: I I said there's absolutely no way women would get out of their parked car and walk into this warehouse Mm. where we're at.
1: And when they no would way. come, they would call me in their cars and say, is it safe for me to get yeah. out? And I would go out to their car and open but their door out. to their Jaguar and say, hop out, I got you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm friendly-looking guy. and sure. Not intimidating, so they knew they were okay. And once they got in and saw what we were doing, it, like, spread like wildfire because they're like, mm. this is just a different place. This is a different energy. There's something that they're doing that's unique and you know, unlike anything we've seen. And so, That's it. you know, yeah. confidence grew over time.
2: Well, we renovated and, and rebuilt. And did you renovate whole, with your
0: own employees? I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. okay. So you did it all internally. That's did it great. All
2: internally. Mm-hmm. And did it so all,
0: there's a lot of pride then. And a lot yeah. of the workers are going, yeah, yeah, I did that wall or I did yeah. that. Yeah. They oh my love gosh, wearing
2: yeah. their, T-shirts and their hats everywhere they go, and great. Yeah, absolutely, we
0: were scaling as a
1: business, as in mm-hmm. more orders are coming in, but also needing more showrooms, and so we had this balance of having to meet manufacturing needs while also renovating. The whole campus, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's been a journey and a half. Let me just tell you. Wow!
0: Now, are they are, do you do salary or do you do hourly or kind of a mix of both? Or
1: mix, mix of both, yes, interesting, yes, yeah, a mix of both. So, everybody has their specific need and design mm-hmm. pay scheme, and we try to meet them when and where we can. And we go to great lengths to make sure that people make very fair, if not great, money in mm-hmm. this place. And so, you know, and when we do our job and deliver to the customer amazing products, the demand stays intact and therefore
0: the wages do too. That's great. That's great. Now, I know that you guys are part of the community and you do a lot of charity events as mm-hmm. well. Um, for those that want to get involved with Urban Farmhouse and just really be a part of your events, about your charity programs, how would they get in contact with you guys? I mean, what, what is how do they enmesh with your events? Is there...
2: We On our website, what we've done, we have so many people that will email in uh, because we try and give to two... Events per month is mm-hmm. what we do, and so we have now put onto our website a donation page where you can go in and submit for a donation. And then mm-hmm. we also have a calendar on there, and we put on there what we're donating to every month, so people know. Um, I always tell everyone send it in way in advance because mm-hmm. you know we'll have our calendar you know, filled up um, months and so months they can, in advance. So they
0: can give to your organization and then, they, I mean, it's still, is it a 501c3 on that portion or do they still, do they get a tax write-off giving through that or how, how does that work?
2: A lot of times what we do, we actually are the ones that give back to most organizations. Um, mm-hmm. For us, we try and do um, where people give in ways of like, clothing, food. Mm. Right now we're doing a backpack drive, Mm. like we're doing that type stuff and then we give that back. So we kinda do a lot of
1: items and different things like that that bring very good money and they're unique sure. and specific that, you know, there's a lot of baskets and gift basket type things that are on the auction. But and we then do like 10-foot
2: tables. Right. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chairs and entire... I think we did an auction item that was like $20,000 that went wow. for um, a charity. Event. And this
1: is probably one of the few times we've ever talked about it. We just don't say yeah. anything about it. I mean, that's... I've we never just enjoy doing it. It's something we love to that do. Girl. It's just giving is your duty in life to, you know, if
0: you're not giving, you're not growing. And so
1: that's it's our job. Yeah.
0: Sure. Well, you, and, you, and I, I believe that you guys have been given a team, you know, and you guys have all come together where this this whole facility is able to transform people's houses and, and therefore their lives. I think so much. I, I read some of the content even on your website where you talk about a lifestyle modification, and that's really what's happening mm-hmm. here. People are coming here and they're not looking for a piece of furniture, right? They're looking for their life to change, right? They're looking for something to make more smiles in their home, more family time at the dinner table, um, and that's what we're. Really really creating here and you've done Absolutely. a fantastic job of that so you. um yeah, uh, I mean, as far as people tracking you, I mean, do you guys are you guys on Instagram? I know that you you have an, in, an intensive media department here. If they want to follow you guys, what's the Instagram name?
2: Yeah, it's just Urban Farmhouse Designs on Instagram and then we have a Facebook page. It's Urban Farmhouse Designs on our huh. Facebook page as well. And now that we have a store open at the Farmers Market in downtown Dallas, hmm. we have also done an Urban Farmhouse Designs Dallas Facebook page. Wow. Just to kind of you know, just for specific product and events mm-hmm. that are going on there, but we do kind of combine everything on our main pages. Is so. for
0: those that are in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. is there would is there a reason they should go to the Dallas store? Is there maybe some other items that would be unique, or is it just a fun experience to see a different store?
2: I think really it's just a fun experience. I mean, we mm-hmm. do try and keep the same items. Oh, uh, so again, you know, our products are all one of a kind. So mm-hmm. you're going to always get a different looking table size
1: down there.
0: And but you're we're always going to have sure. different
2: sizes and different pieces mm-hmm. down there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we do have different items mm-hmm. down in Dallas than we do here. Uh, we've got a little bit more of a modern feel, I would say, down there in mm-hmm. some of our pieces. So yeah, you might see some chairs and things that you're not going to see in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. But I think just going down there to the Dallas Farmer's Market, it and experiencing sure. it, it's a—it's only 10,000 square feet. So to me, it's really small. Oh, wow, small.
0: yeah. <laughs> Compared yeah. to
2: Oklahoma City. Say, uh, we yeah. don't pour candles. We don't have a lumber company, you know, mm-hmm. but you can still watch people... Um, you know, build furniture and things like that. Mm-hmm. We we built a shop. So we're still finishing it up, uh, per se. But, you know, I think it's just a really cool, different environment. I have a lot of people that say I've been here and been there, and, and they love them both.
1: Right, which was an accomplishment in its own because to replicate the store, in essence, wasn't easy. And from a guy who loves to eat, we do have
0: food and beverage in mm-hmm. Dallas. So... Hey. You, know, yeah. and-
2: you walk across All the street, right. and it's a whole entire... I mean, it's just tons of right.
0: feet. Sure. So if you're traveling through Dallas, definitely a place to stop. Go we to talked about that earlier. Side. Even this, if you're traveling on I-40 or I-35, yeah. uh, you you want to stop here. I mean, you can get something for anybody in this mm-hmm. store. So uh, guys, thanks for coming on the show today. I know you're fun. super you. busy. We want to let you get back to it, but let's stay in touch. We'd love to feature you guys as much as possible. So thanks again. We can go to the show. We can stay out right here and I on
1: my big green tractor. We can go slow, make it go faster down through the woods and out to the
0: pasture. And that concludes episode 14 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Questions, comments, concerns, please email me at landon at okcreal.com. That's L-A-N-D-O-N at O-K-C-R-E-A-L dot com. And don't forget, register on okcrealestateshow.com.